0: Alright, this is the passage for this morning's sermon. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 11 through chapter 6 verse 2. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others, but what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving You cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him, then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Well, there's a lot in this as we've been moving,
1: working our way through this book of Second Corinthians, um, but there's two key uh, concepts that I want to talk about this morning. When I was in seminary, I learned about one of these key concepts. I uh had actually just finishing my last semester, and we had decided we were going to become part of the EPC, this denomination that this church is a part of, the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. And in order to do that, I needed to belong to an EPC to make sure that I could enter into the process. And there were no, at that time, there were no EPCs in the LA area that spoke English. There was one Thai-speaking congregation, but I didn't speak Thai very well. So the last semester of seminary, we moved to Shreveport, Louisiana, through a series of circumstances that I won't tell you about now. But we ended up there during my last semester and for the next year or so as I worked my way into the denomination. So while I was there, I was trying to earn a little money, and I took a job as a a part-time teller at a credit union. So I was working at Barksdale Air Force Base, for any of you Air Force types who know that. They were flying planes in and out over our head as I was taking the officer's money and doling out their paychecks and uh, the all the people on the base mainly. And uh, as a teller, I'd never done anything like this before. And so uh, I liked money, so I figured, like, I, you know, it's probably fine, so I could do the job. And uh, they had a rule, kind of a silly rule, that they wanted your account to balance every day, your drawer to balance, that, you know, you could account for all of your money. And I was like, well, you have a lot of money. I'm not sure why it matters, but they seemed to take this very seriously. So every day, we had to balance our drawer. And they also had a rule that no teller left until all the drawers were balanced, so that way, when you left, if any of you worked at banks, maybe that's what they do. But that way, the uh, the walk of shame begins as the last person as you're trying to help everybody's drawers to balance. Well, I had worked there a couple of weeks, and they finally left me on my own. And I opened up, I uh, closed the drawer for the day, and I was about $50,000 off. So I figured, hey, look, we're a credit union. Money's everywhere. I mean, y- y'all are getting so upset about this. And so... They were like, okay, well it's just, it's, it's gonna be paperwork, cause I knew, I knew I hadn't taken the money, right? I knew, and I was pretty sure no one else had taken the money, so I knew it was a, a paperwork glitch somewhere in here, and, and it wasn't the first time it had happened, we had all helped someone find it, but getting that thing to zero became the, you know, my task, and so, one by one, all the other. I was the by far the oldest person, the only ma- male, and so by uh, everybody else finished up within a few minutes in balance, and then they're all around me, right? And they're looking over, and they're all more experienced than I am. And the assistant manager, who sort of was helping me through this, you know, she kept shaking her head. She was looking at my tickets and looking at all my transactions. She kept going like this, and she goes, "Oh, oh, I, I see the problem." I was like, "Oh, thank." God, you saw the problem. Yeah, you're now, you're like 60,000 off. (laughs) And so everybody's around. Nobody can go home. I'm just like, hi, hi, what am I doing? And the account stood there unreconciled. And because of the discrepancy, my life was kind of in this, what am I going to do? It was on hold. I'll tell you the end of the story at the end. After 10 years in jail, I'm finally in the ministry. No, not really. Not really. We get one of the most complete pictures of Paul's ministry of reconciliation because Paul realizes as a privileged Roman citizen, as a well-educated person, as someone at the pinnacle of society in his status as a Jew and as a Pharisee, he realized that all of a sudden, His his account was short because he knew about the things of God. He was very well versed in the Old Testament, very well versed in the law. And he came to the realization because God knocked him off his high horse, literally, on the road to Damascus, that his accounts were unreconciled, that. There was a separation in his own life between the God he talked about, this God of the Old Testament, and the God who had revealed himself in Jesus Christ. And in that irreconcilable difference, Paul suddenly, the light came on again, literally, that the light of Christ showed him that there was a reconciliation that needed to happen because he didn't know God. And so Paul then realized that God was giving him a ministry of reconciliation. Now, when you think about reconciliation, I don't immediately think about financial things. If you're an accountant, you probably do. But when I think about being non, not reconciled to someone, I imagine a lot of you think of people, of relationships, right? Just think in your life. Is there anyone right now to whom if they walked in the door, you'd really avoid them? That, Or it would be awkward, that conversation? The mark of an unreconciled relationship is communication is awkward if existent. That the relationship is broken. And that's one of those definitions of reconciliation that's exactly on point of what Paul says his ministry is. Because the Bible teaches that our relationship with God fundamentally is broken at the start. You may say, well, I didn't do anything wrong. Look at Clara, what has she done? She's a cute little baby, right? You're telling me we just baptized her. her. Her relationship with God is broken? Well, the Bible teaches that sin has broken our relationship with God and that it's passed down through the generations and that all people fall short of God's glory. And so we have this unreconciled relationship with God. And the marks of it, like the marks of an unreconciled human relationship, are there's a lack of communication, there's this awkwardness, that because we don't know them and because we're not in relationship with them, we really don't desire to be with them. The second definition of reconciliation tends to be when we have two beliefs or two actions that have to be brought together. As a parent, I know I want to protect my children, but I also want to let them live their lives and sometimes allow them to make mistakes, and sometimes I have to reconcile those two things that are held in tension together. And the same thing is true in the reconciliation that uh, Paul speaks of is that we have this, the truth and the justice of God that says he can't live in the presence of sin. And... The love of God, the grace of God that wants to forgive, and and these two things somehow have to be held and to be reconciled together. And then this third definition I spoke of earlier of this reconciliation of financial accounts. You know, do any of y'all still reconcile your checkbooks? Like, I don't know, do y'all do that automatically if you're under 40 these days? But I still diligently take out my bank statement that I still get in the mail, and I still mark off to make sure I wrote the check right. I just do. And I'm so happy when it reconciles at the end of the month. It's a little win for me to have it match. Paul has written this letter of Second Corinthians, remember, to a church that's repented. Repented of rebelling against him and listening to people who are leading them down the wrong road. And... Paul has been telling them, look, don't focus on the outward. Don't look at me as an apostle and see the suffering I've been through. And listen to these voices in your ear that are saying, if you suffer, if you're not doing well, if you're not looking great on the outside, that somehow that means you're not godly. Paul says, no. As a matter of fact, the things I've gone through that have been difficult trials are producing for me godliness inside. And we've talked about what that meant to Paul, to his physical body. But I want to look at this idea then of Paul's ministry is one of reconciliation. Why do we need to be reconciled? Why do we need to be reconciled? Well, we talked about the relationship is broken. Paul started with the fact that he was always aware that he was a broken man, that he was someone who had persecuted the church of Christ, that his accounts were always off, that he had not obeyed God. Even though he thought he was, he had not. And so once Paul had established the need for reconciliation, then he could move on. But let me just say something. if, if For those of you who think to yourself, well, my, my life is fine. I'm, I'm working fine. I don't see a need for God in my life. I get it. I do get it. We live in a world where self-sufficiency and where your expectation of how your life would live, you would. Su- I could easily see how you would think, well, God doesn't necessarily fit into that picture. And I think there's a number of reasons for that. But one, I think, is that the God that often is presented either by the church, and I'm, I apologize on behalf of any church or Christians that have misrepresented God, by our political system, our social system, that somehow represent that God is somehow going to set things right on the earth and, and everybody that follows him is going to be a perfect saint and all that. Uh, I, get, I get that that's turned you off. Can I tell you that that's not the God that's presented in the Bible? The God that's presented in the Bible came to reconcile a broken world and that the marks of fear and anxiety and doubt and the crippling pain of wounds and unreconciled human relationships and unforgiveness and dozens of other marks that God did not create you to live like that. He created you to live in His Spirit, which is marked by peace, and love, and joy, and there are shadows of that without God, created in His image. It's not that you can have no peace without God. There's you know, You're 100% uh, without any positives. Believe me, some of the nicest people I know don't acknowledge God, but He created you to live a different way, to be something different than being crippled by the things that this world is crippled by. And if you know that, and if you acknowledge that, that's the first step of saying, I want to be reconciled. When I deal with married couples or other people who are in broken relationships, I can guarantee you a way that relationship is not never going to be mended is if both people say, I don't need to be reconciled. They might need to come to me. I can almost guarantee you that that's a recipe for letting... We talk about irreconcilable differences. Most of that is because I've lost the desire at all to be reconciled. Here's the truth the Bible teaches. None of us come out of the womb desiring to be reconciled with God. That is not our posture. What is the means of reconciliation then? Jesus Christ, who didn't need to be reconciled to us, we've offended Him, came all the way. He, the the party that was not the offending party, has come all the way to you. Completely from heaven, from living without sin, and this passage says, he who knew no sin became sin for us. The basis for the means for reconciliation is that Jesus Christ came all the way and on the cross paid the debt, that debt that's way larger than fifty, now $60,000 that I was facing. If you got your Bible, open to 2 Corinthians 5, verse, look at verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, not looking at their outward bodies, he's saying, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Yes, he gave it to Paul, but he also gave it to those who follow him. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Look also at Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 verse 10. Paul says this, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So this is what the Bible teaches, and I understand this conceptually just difficult sometimes. But he who was perfect came all the way to us and took the substitutionary, what they call substitutionary atonement. He gave you what was rightfully his, right relationship and right standing with God and took on himself what was rightfully ours, which is death, which is separation from God, not being reconciled. And Paul says, here's my ministry now. I get to preach reconciliation to talk about how you now can be brought together. So here's the truth. You can have a relationship with God that is meaningful, alive and life changing because of this truth. You can be reconciled to God. And you say, well, I, I didn't know we didn't have a good relationship. I didn't know he was mad at me. He's not mad at you. He can't have fellowship with those who embrace what a holy God cannot be in the presence of. And you can have a life available to you that you couldn't even have imagined and dreamed of. It's not an easy life. It's a fulfilling life. There's a third part of this ministry of reconciliation because Paul's ministry was to Gentiles. Jews and Gentiles didn't necessarily get along together. If you've got your Bibles, I'll ask you to open up, and we're going to read a a little bit longer passage in Ephesians chapter 2. Because the ministry of reconciliation flowed into Paul and then back right through and out of Paul, because he was reconciled to God, and he said, So now... I have something to talk about. Ephesians 2, I'll start with verse 11. Therefore remember that at one time the Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, that is the Jews, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. See, the message of the one true God came through the Jews, it says. So Gentiles were outside of that. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that is the law, that he might create in himself one new man in place of two. See, no longer Jew or Gentile, it says, but one new man. So making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross and thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. See what it says? He might reconcile us both to God in one body. The the ripples of reconciliation don't end with the cross. They start there. But Paul's ministry was that God was going to make all things new, beginning with people, individuals, but then bringing together people around the truth of the cross so that Jews and Gentiles no longer separated. Now, we don't in our society tend to separate Jews and Gentiles anymore, but we're definitely a racially divided society. We're ethnically divided. There's a movie about to come out called 11 a.m. by some folks we know down in Richmond talking about still um, a church culture that tends to be divided. And guys, I want us to take seriously this ministry and gospel of reconciliation. And many of you do. Thank you for leading the way in that. I want us each to find that our, our commonality is around Jesus Christ and following him. And that where the world would sow hatred or division, we wouldn't do that. That we would see whether people look different on the outside. To Paul, it made no difference They were all loved by God. And the ministry of reconciliation of that, easy to say, sometimes hard to do. But I think it's the only hope for our nation and the world. People talk about coming together, but it's the cross of Christ that brings us together. There's a second concept of this ministry because we become, it says, ambassadors of this reconciliation and this ministry. If you'll turn with me again back at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I just want to read one more verse. I want to watch a short video about someone who's living out this ministry of being an ambassador of reconciliation. Excuse me, I'm picking up with verse 20. Therefore, it says, and the therefore is therefore to tell us that this reconciliation ministry, it has to have a, outflow a purpose. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for our sake. He made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's watch a story to close of a woman who's trying to live that out. You willing to put up a sign at your door to say the embassy of the kingdom of heaven? It's a beautiful picture of being an ambassador for reconciliation. But you know what? There's some people that might come to your door that might be a little tough to let in. Because you don't get to choose if you're at the embassy who you let in because some of the citizens of our kingdom they aren't that nice we become agents of reconciliation when we say, yes, Lord, I will do as you've called me to do and be Christ's hands and be Christ's feet. $60,000 missing from the drawer. Not sure how Nancy's going to make it with three small children and without me. And then this assistant manager, this young woman Comes over, and, and she says, well, it's kind of a mess. I said, yeah, tell me something I don't know. And she said, I'll tell you what. I said, I'm going to let everybody else go. We've been here long enough. Give me your drawer. I said, what do you mean? She says, I'm going to take your drawer. I think I see where you went off, but it's going to take me a while to unravel this. You take my drawer. I said, can you do that? She said, I'm the manager. I can do anything. You just take my drawer. My drawer balances. I'll take your drawer. I see where you went off, but I'm going to have to work a while to undo this. So here I was messing up, and I got this perfectly reconciled drawer, and I was able to go home. And I don't know how long it took her. She was probably tired the next day. But she unraveled my sin, as it were, my mistakes, Your mistakes, your regrets, where you are, Jesus wants to unravel them and He wants to take that and He wants to make it right. And you can't do it. And you'll try and you'll spend a lot of money and you'll take a lot of drugs. And I'm not against taking drugs, but I'm just saying you'll put a lot of things in your body to try to solve your problems. And Jesus Christ wants to be present in your life in a way He became sin who knew no sin so that we might become right with God. Would you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus, it's a mystery why you would take broken people who initially don't acknowledge you, don't like you, and say this is what you deserve And I'll take it upon myself, and I'll give you my standing. Lord, we want to simply be grateful and say thank you and not try to earn it. And Lord, when you were here on earth, you gave us this perfect picture of this. On the night you were betrayed, you took bread. When you'd given thanks, you gave it to your disciples. And after breaking the bread, you said, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you, reconciling you to your Father. And then after supper, he took the cup of wine, and when he given thanks, he gave it to them. He said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. When you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Lord, we humbly receive these gifts of bread and wine as a picture of the reconciliation that your body was offered on the cross to reconcile us to God the Father. We thank you, Lord, that you want to change our lives, that you want to come in and love us. Or we just would you teach us to say yes to you in this? If you're here today and you want to say yes to God, just say yes, I receive this gift, Lord. I acknowledge that my accounts are wrong, that I'm I'm not reconciled. I'm broken in my relationship with you. Lord, would you come in? I receive the cross. I receive the gifts you gave of your life. Oh, we receive these gifts of bread and wine. We receive this as a remembrance of what you've done for us, and we meet you here in Jesus' name. Amen. You don't have to be a member of Living Hope to receive communion this morning, but you do. The Bible says you need to be a believer in Jesus Christ, that this is a meal for those who are affirming their faith in Christ. No one's required to come. Your children... Can receive if they're baptized and have come into relationship with Christ. It's up to the parents to determine if they understand um, their, their receiving of this. We give that gift to parents. We ask as you come to come in faith that Jesus Christ is real and see what he would do in your life If you'd like to be prayed for about anything going on in your life and world, there'll be people available just after you take communion off to the sides here to spend a minute praying with you. Please, let's see what God would do as we ask him. Can I have those who are serving the elements this morning to come forward, please?